Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and uh, good to have you along for Everyone Wednesday. We've got a great resource to give away. It's funny, Steve Gregg was just talking about, if you heard Neuropath right before the Bottom Line Show, I realized that in some markets, Neuropath airs after the Bottom Line, but uh, Steve airs from 2 to 3 p.m. Pacific time on uh, KBRT, and then uh, is on, I think, at 4 o'clock on KLTT or whatever the deal is. But he was talking about the... The issue of pastors and resources and books and things of that nature and why he gives away as many books as he possibly can, which I think is really wonderful. And when Steve has been on the Bottom Line Show, he usually brings some freebies that we can give away too. Um, I don't sell books on the Bottom Line Show, uh, just so you know. I wrote a book a long time ago. I've got tons of copies of it. If you ever want to read my 16-year-old book on internet safety, just call 800-227-5278 and we'll send you one. But when it comes to the books and resources that we talk about here on The Bottom Line Show, we talk about uh, program material that will be a benefit to you. I am motivated purely by whether or not a book or a DVD or a movie or something like that will help you grow stronger spiritually, first and foremost. So I understand that when we talk to an author, like we're going to in a couple minutes, and they have a book or a video series or something like that, it does help them potentially get the word out that they do have resources for sale. But I'm just, I'm that guy. <laughs> I like books. I like video. I like movies. I think they've been very helpful in my life in terms of encouraging me in my faith. And I want to share that with you as well. Hey, a programming note before we go too much further here. First of all, today is Everyone Wednesday, and so everybody who uh, listens to the program and calls into the Bottom Line Show is going to win something. We have several copies of the book that we'll be discussing in just a few moments by Rachel Adams. Um, She's the author of the day, as it were. She has a new devotional book called A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. We have three copies of that book to give away, so your chances of winning a book today of that caliber are... Excellent. 800-227-5278. Tomorrow on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast, we're, we're going to do two things. It's interesting because you, if you have listened to NCR and you listen to the podcast version, you know that there are two half-hour segments that we do for the uh, uh, the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Bob Duco, uh, John Rush, Neil Boren, and yours truly get together every Wednesday morning at 7.30 Pacific. <laughs> um I'm still shaking the cobwebs out of my eyes. And we have a conversation about a variety of different things. This week, we had two topics of conversation. One is President Biden's issue with the uh, the, the you know, file gate, as it were. Remember that President Trump, uh, the very carefully choreographed and highly theatrical raid at Mar-a-Lago. We're coming in here because he has, he has information, he has documents that he shouldn't have, even though he could declassify them because he's a president and he could do that when he was president. How many files were there? Or were there as many as 33,000 emails like in Hillary Clinton's server? Uh, we don't know, but we do know that the Biden story is really interesting. It's somewhat nuanced. In essence, he did essentially the same thing. As a matter of fact, SCI was the, uh, um, the, the suppressed confidential information designation was on several of the files that were found at the uh, Penn Biden Center at the University of Pennsylvania. The Penn Biden Center has benefited over the years from having a lot of uh, documents and things of that nature from uh, now President Biden's uh, many year career as a senator and then eight years as vice president. But it also is funded with nearly $100 million in donations from the Chinese Communist Party. And so nothing to see here. No, no problem. And then there's the issue of the timing of this. 
the first files were discovered at the Penn Biden Center six days before the election. Anything problematic there? Think there might be something about Hunter Biden dealing with the Chinese government or Ukraine for that matter that might make the U.S. involvement in the Ukrainian-Russian war seem a little more suspicious because of the Biden family ties there? I mean, people who will look at Ukraine from the purely spiritual standpoint and say, we've got to pray for our brothers and sisters there and the Russian church, etc. I'm all in on that, 100% on that. But then when you take into consideration Burisma and then Vice President Biden talking about how they didn't want Hunter Biden investigated by the uh, uh, Ukrainian government and there was a billion dollars of aid that was supposed to go to Ukraine and he said, I told him you don't back off the investigation, you don't get your billion dollars. Nothing to see there. And then the revelation, what, he had some files in his Corvette, in his home in Delaware? I mean, you know, but the only argument I see in favor of the president right now is, well, he's a better man than Donald Trump, so we shouldn't worry about these files. Happens all the time. Well, the happens all the time part is accurate. You can go back and look at every former president, and they always want to take more documents and put it in their presidential library or wherever. I mean, from President Obama, President Bush, President Clinton. I mean, they've all had that problem with the National Archives. But in the case of Joe Biden, I mean, the fact that this the first revelation happened six days before the election, the second revelation happened right around the time the election was being certified in December, late November, early December. You've got these huge lag, lag gaps of time, big lag between when they were first discovered and when they were ultimately reported on. And the media keeps saying, yeah, but Donald Trump's a bad guy, so give Joe a pass. I don't know. When you listen to the podcast tomorrow, the first half hour, that's what we feature here on the Bottom Line Show from 4 to 4.30 Pacific time. It's Bob and John and Neil and yours truly talking about that issue. The second half hour, though, we talk about the uh, Sanctity of Life Day in the United States, which technically is has always been on the day that Roe versus Wade was passed by the Supreme Court. January 22nd is usually Sanctity of Human Life Day in the U.S. This year, on what would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe versus Wade's passing, we get to celebrate a whole different conversation, and that is uh, the Supreme Court corrected course and realized that the Supreme Court of 1973 kind of invented a constitutional right to abortion that a lot of Americans still think is going on today. Democrats did very, very well in the uh, 2022 midterm elections simply by running on the fact that they could tell younger voters, hey, guess what? Your, your democracy is at risk. Your rights are at stake. The Supreme Court wants to take away your constitutional rights when the Supreme Court didn't take away any constitutional rights because abortion was established on a federal level through false pretenses. So second half of the podcast on tomorrow's edition of uh, NCR, we talk about Roe versus Wade and what America looks like in a post-Roe world. And it isn't as pretty as a lot of pro-lifers thought it would be. Because now the left is doubling down on how do we get abortion laws passed? How do we create abortion tourism states? How do we shift away from surgical abortion, abortions altogether, as we talked about yesterday, and make them all, quote unquote, medical abortions? It's just, it's not a pretty picture, but it's going to be a good conversation. So I really hope you'll tune in to the National Crawford Roundtable. Now, you can go to crawfordmediagroup.net, by the way, 
And if you'd like to sign up for the podcast, you can go there. You can go to Stitcher, TuneIn, uh, Spotify, all the places where we uh, podcast the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. And we do so uh, each and every week. And thousands of people enjoy it. And we love it. Love hearing from you. Matter of fact, we have a lot more bottom line listeners from out of our listing area as a result of people who found us on NCR. So if that describes your situation, welcome to the program. You know, we live in a culture where bigger is always seen as better. We use words like great, which simply just means large. And, you know, how you doing? Great. You know, how was your dinner? Great. You know, I mean, we really want that. But, you know, it's amazing. What happens when you start looking at your prayer life, your devotional life, and you start seeing it as not so great? Maybe you don't spend that much time doing it, or maybe just maybe it feels like you're only doing little things in God's economy and not necessarily doing, quote unquote, great things. Well, Rachel Adams is an author, a podcaster, and a blogger who has a brand new devotional book out that encourages you to focus on the God of the small things as well as the God of the great things. The book is called A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com, as I mentioned at the start of the program. Today is Everyone Wins Day, and we've got at least three copies of this book to give away. So make sure you have our number handy. Heck, you can just give Crystal a call right now if you'd like. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Rachel Adams joining me next as the bottom line continues. You know, one of the things I appreciate about this Sanctity of Human Life moment that's coming up in the world right now is the fact that we have a chance to tell the truth about what happens with that baby who's in the womb, that baby who is in gestational mode right now and growing stronger every day. As a matter of fact, a woman can get a pregnancy test and have an ultrasound done. She can look at that little guy or gal in the womb and say, wow, that's my baby. And it's an exciting time. As a matter of fact, 83% of the women who go to preborn clinics and actually have that opportunity, well, they wind up keeping their child or releasing the child for adoption. But it takes resources like your gifts, your tax-deductible donations, to make the ministry of preborn work. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. Your $28 donation right now saves the life of one child. A $140 donation saves five, 280 saves 10. I'd love to see another bottom line listener call in with a $2,800 donation today. That'll save 100 babies' lives. 833-850-BABY is the number to call. 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com, hit the banner for Preborn and make your best donation there online. Preborn, introducing parents to their children for the very first time. Call now. Well, today here on The Bottom Line, we're going to get into a conversation about significance. A lot of people want to have a life that has meaning, a life that has purpose, but when you are living in a culture where Basically, you are only significant, quote unquote, if you're an influencer, if you've got a big audience or a big car or a big house or whatever. Uh, you might wonder, does my spiritual life really have any sort of significance, not only for impacting for the kingdom here in the culture now, but impacting for the kingdom and the culture for eternity? Uh, writer and podcaster Rachel Adams is with me today here on The Bottom Line. Uh, she and her husband, Brian, run a family business and a business and farm in Kentucky. Uh, they have a couple of kids. And... Uh, she also hosts a podcast called The Love Offering, um, and the A Little Goes a Long Way episodes that correspond with every devotion in her brand new book, I think, kind of got our attention, and that's why we're having a conversation with her today about this brand new book. 
It's called A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Rachel Adams, welcome to The Bottom Line Show today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, we're grateful to have you here because we everybody wants to have a life of significance. I mean, I, I don't know of too many people who don't. Now, we may not articulate that. You know, we may not actually walk up and say, Rachel, how do I have a life that's significant? But let's face it, if you take a look at the sum total of all the things we do during the course of the day, we're hoping it adds up to something. Talk about why this concept of, you know, just the little things is where the significance really begins. is kind of foreign to us in the modern culture. I think you're exactly right. We probably wouldn't articulate it like, well, I want my life to be significant, but yet we are here on earth and we are here for a reason and we want our life to count. But I think what I have found is so often our lives feel too ordinary or too mundane or too minuscule to matter. And, you know, that was my own life. It was this wrestling and this tension thinking, okay, I am waking up, making coffee. I'm answering some emails. I'm maybe taking a walk with my dog, taking, getting gas in my gas tank for my car and Mm -hmm. getting groceries and making meals. And I, I have two children, like you mentioned, so I'm doing homework and going to ball games and a lot of these things I do on a daily basis. And then I wake, go, go to bed and I think, okay, Lord, did any of this matter for your kingdom and for your glory? Because I want it to. Um, and, and the, in the way that I just, I started just to go to his word to say, okay, God, what do you say uh, about this, this tension and this wrestling? And the more and more, as I studied in scripture, I found that a significant life is actually simpler than we think. Well, let's talk about that because I mean, there, some people will mistake that I, I worked for a guy years ago who worked in actually a Christian agency that was responsible for placing a lot of long form programs everywhere. And he used to make the distinction between simple and easy. And a lot of people would look at the two and say, well, wait, aren't they the same thing? And the more I began to realize it, I thought, well, no, wait. I mean, when you get right down to it, something can be simple and really difficult at the same time. So let's talk about this little by little uh, process. I mean, where do we begin in kind of taking stock of what we're doing and, and asking questions like, what does God's word say about really taking that first step, even if it appears to be a little one? Yes, I found God works little by little. If you think about even in the very beginning in Genesis, God could have created the entire universe in an instant, but he didn't. He created it day by day by day and then rested on the seventh. And and you just think about even how he would rescue people and how he's sanctifying us and growing us and preparing us. I I really believe that our whole lives are God's training ground and he's developing and shaping us um, until one day we're more like him, hopefully, uh, before we get to eternity. But so this is kind of his little by little approach. And the same thing goes for our own lives. You know, we all start at the beginning and um, we have to kind of be okay with that. And there's a verse in Zechariah 410 that says, do not despise small beginnings because the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. So we all have to start somewhere We're we're building something We're partnering with God. And the key is just to begin. Rachel Adams is my guest today here on the bottom line. The book is called a little goes a long way, 52 days to a significant life. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And thank you for setting the record straight, uh, Rachel. I, I, for the longest time, I thought Zechariah only had three chapters, and they all stopped at 317, where God sings of them. So thank you for reminding us that there's a fourth chapter in that book. And that's a little tongue-in-cheek about how oftentimes we look at God's Word and pick and choose the parts that we want. And that kind of becomes our driving ministry. And we don't realize that, hey, wait a minute, the whole Word counsels us. The whole Word is shaping us. And then those little bits and pieces that kind of infiltrate into our lives and other people's lives too. Talk about how um, just being present in the lives of other people, especially your unbelieving friends, can really have a huge, not only significance in their life, but also in our lives as well. 
I, this is one of my favorite parts that I discovered throughout this devotional process is the impact of every encounter and every interaction. When you really start to reflect on your life, and I know the way that I reflected on mine, I can I can pinpoint specific milestone moments of of when I first met my husband with a simple hello and a little bit of conversation and um, how I was even led to the Lord started with a simple conversation and a simple invitation. And so I I really want us to be to key in on that and to value that to be present with people and just to start that conversation. So many people are longing for companionship are lonely right now and just looking for somebody to spend the time to sit with them. You know, so often when people are going through hard times, we think we need the right Bible verse or the perfect gift or just the right words to say, to fix it and to make it better. And I think so often more than often than not, people just want you to be with them. We learned that pretty well from Job and his friends, you know, they, they did that well at the very beginning, but and they yeah. they they forgot that they it's okay to just sit and, and be present with somebody and we never know the impact that that may have. Yeah, I think Pastor Rick Warren coined it so perfectly when he said when someone's going through a hard time, you've got two jobs as a Christian. The first is to show up and the second is to shut up. You know, just to <laughs> literally just be there, you know, and I thought, well, that's that's pretty simple. Gets right to the point. Um, as we're talking about Rachel Adams devotional book, a little goes a long way. 52 days to a significant life and we have a link for that book up at the bottomlineshow.com. Um, I have a friend who's a nutritionist and she talks often about the fact that she's really big on meal prep. And I know that's kind of a generational thing. I know younger adults were really into, you know, prepping meals for the week. And maybe my parents' generation might have been good at that too. I don't know why it skipped my generation, but it doesn't really factor in. But the prepping of the meal, the having of the meal, enjoying it. My friend, the nutritionist says, you got to understand that that's part of your devotional time. And I thought, wow. That's kind of a heavy statement. And then I read your book and I see that you have an entry where you talk about a little meal. Uh, talk about the, the, how something as seemingly innocuous as just getting a meal with a friend or preparing a meal or even just in your own alone time, how that can really help you build a life of significance in God's economy. This goes back to, I actually in the devotional tell a story about how when I had my children, people would bring me meals and the impact that had on me that they cared for me and loved me in that way. And then, you know, fast forward, I, I recently had surgery where I was bedridden for a while and people didn't physically bring me meals as much, but they sent me meal gift cards, which right. was yeah. really nice too. I felt sure. really, really loved in that way. Uh, but I go back to, you know, Jesus in the new Testament, he, he shared a lot of meals with people, sometimes with multitudes where he multiplied the fish and the loaves, and then other times with really intimate gatherings like the Last Supper. And you, you see him eating and fellowshipping with people a lot. And I actually was recently doing a study on the early church in Acts, and there's a there's a document called the Didache about how the early church actually um, practiced being a, an, the early church. And what did that look like? And the majority of that document was all about table fellowship and how that they spent time again, going back to what we were just saying, they spent time together and how often, if you just gather around a table, whether it's your own kitchen table or at a local coffee shop or at a local restaurant or a picnic blanket on, on, on the yard, on the yard, it doesn't really matter where we are, but how, how ministry can happen when we, meet somebody's physical need uh, can also open up the ability to meet their spiritual and emotional need as well. 
Boy, that's great insight. And when I think about that meal, especially when you get together with someone, like in your case, you had a physical need and you weren't able to, to cook and, and that was helpful that people stepped in. But also too, I mean, in the times you're living in right now, inflation's kind of a, you know, a 800 pound gorilla in the room that keeps getting heavier and heavier. And sometimes you never know when reaching out and saying, hey, why don't we go grab lunch together? Let's go get breakfast or something like that. My treat, that might be, wow. I mean, you might be encountering someone, especially in their older years, where that's the best meal they had that day. You know, I mean, it, it, I don't want to put that responsibility on anybody, but, uh, you know, it's, it's amazing how you don't realize how significant that that act of kindness really could be for someone like yeah. And, and in fact, I'm, I'm a part of a Bible study and, and most of the women are retired. And so they're not raising kids anymore. They're not doing the the work necessarily uh, that produce financial fruit for them. And mm -hmm. so they're, they are questioning very much. And they, they've shared that with me. Well, what am I supposed to do now? And we were talking about how people can display kindness and generosity. And so many of them said, yes, it's nice to just drop off a meal, but it's even better and even nicer if you say, hey, how, how about I join you for that meal? And I actually spend time with me because yeah. going back to what we just said, we're all craving, craving that connection and companionship. And, and I don't ever want to discount that and that, that time shared together. Rachel Adams is my guest today here on the bottom line. You can see this book has been road tested for people who are in retirement season. I mean, many of us are in that, but also those who are in active duty as well. And I guess as long as we wake up every morning and still have breath, we are still in active duty in the Lord's army. Her book is called a little goes a long way. 52 Days to a Significant Life, and we have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of this conversation in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Rachel Adams is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. The book is called A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Devotionals, uh, 52 Days, actually, to a Significant Life. And we've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. I have to say this since Todd just played a switchfoot bumper music selection that uh, guys, you know, I've been asking probably eight years now, nine years, possibly 10 years to get Switchfoot on the bottom line show. And uh, I'm not going to beg, but <laughs> there's a seat right here for the whole band. Uh, we're right here, Bob Airway Avenue, Costa Mesa, close to San Diego. Drop us a line. Okay. A Little Goes a Long Way by Rachel Adams is our Everyone Wednesday book today here on The Bottom Line Show. We've got three copies to give away. Crystal's taking your calls at 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And this whole topic of conversation is important. It is significant because how many of us want to think of our lives as being significant, right? Well, here's the deal. Little is much in God's economy. You know, I, I can drive you to the mustard seed and show an example of how the smallest seed in the plant kingdom yields the biggest tree. Okay, well, that doesn't always catch people, especially if you're not agriculturally minded. Here's another one. Think about all the significant moments that have happened in your life so far. You fell in love when you found out you were going to be a parent, uh, when you the, got the call that someone had passed away, you got the job, you lost the job, whatever it is. The moment that that took place is really very brief. That moment where you go from unemployed to employed or the other way around, where you go from not being pregnant to pregnant or um, we're waiting for the baby to be born and then here comes the baby. Those happen in the twinkling of an eye. And so for those of us who are seeking as God's children, to do significant things for the Lord, as Rachel was just talking about, the fact that 
you know, she says, Hey, I, I want my life to count for something. I want to know that the things I did during the course of the day are actually going to matter. Don't discount everything that happens in your day. Oftentimes we'll major in the minors. We'll look at the smallest things that happened that really don't have any significance and we'll miss the smaller things that happen during the day that do. I think it's key for each of us to be praying for a biblical discernment when it comes to measuring your day, starting the day on your knees in quiet time with the Lord or on the treadmill or going for a walk or whatever you're doing to get the juices flowing. But spending time in prayer and supplication and reading God's word or listening to God's word, letting it wash over your soul. But then take a look at the day and try not to get so wrapped up in the minutia that you miss the significant. There are things that have happened in your day even today that are very significant and others that probably aren't so much. I highly recommend at the end of the day, you take some time, just a few minutes even, to look back, maybe do it, keep a journal, write some things down and ask yourself the question, okay, what happened? Do I, how badly do I remember it? How well do I remember it? And then ask the question, does it matter? <laughs> you know, sometimes the answer to that question is going to be yes. Other times the answer to that question is going to be, wow, not as much as I thought. Absolutely not as much as I thought. Rachel Adams' new book is a game changer. If you are in that moment, that season of life where you're trying to wonder whether or not it's all worth it. The book is called A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. The link is up at thebottomlineshow.com, and we've got three copies to give away at 800-227-5278 here on this Everyone Wednesday here on The Bottom Line. More of my conversation with Rachel in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Rachel Adams is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. For those who are listening on Terrestrial Radio or listening on the podcast, or if you're watching us on myhopenow.com, uh, that's Rachel right there. We're talking about her brand new book, which I think is going to be a uh, a very helpful one for those who are, if you're, if you came through the last couple of years and maybe your job got changed, or maybe you've had changes in relationship, family members have moved away, you changed churches, whatever it is, whatever gave you some kind of meaning and significance. And now you're saying, wait, I don't feel like I have that anymore. This devotional book will help you reframe and reset. The book is called A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And Rachel, I mean, we've talked about uh, a lot of the different littles that you have here in these 52 entries. One of the ones that I wanted to uh, kind of hone in on here for just a moment is the idea of our frame of mind, you know, having a biblical worldview. And then I've seen this shirt up everywhere, it seems like over the past couple of months, it says, be kind, you never know what somebody else is going through. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, you have a, an entry in here, uh, day 14 focuses on having a little perspective. And it seems like that's probably more important now more than ever before with, in terms of living a life of significance. Talk about what you mean by that. Yeah, we, we I think we're all carrying something. We, we all have a need and a, and a burden and we just, we never know what a look or a simple smile or a simple hello can do. I know actually it was a, a an article that I read in the New York Times many, many years ago, and there was a man who was going to take his life and he wrote a letter and left it on his car. And he said, if, if somebody will just say hello to me, I won't take my life in this walk from his car to the bridge. 
and they actually found his body um, in on the shoreline. And so it, it really just impacted me on such a, a deep level because I thought, isn't it interesting that that some somebody just saying hello, that was all that they needed. Yeah. Yep. And I and I am convicted to think how many people do I pass by on a daily basis and don't even make eye contact, let alone say hello. And I actually have another friend who was traveling and she saw a homeless man on the street and she looked him in the eye and he looked back at her and he asked her, he said, do you see me? Hmm. And she said, yes, of course I see you. And he said, nobody ever sees me. Wow. And both of those stories, I tell both of those stories because going back to what you said earlier about easy and simple, Mm -hmm. giving somebody a look in the eye and acknowledging them that you see them because God sees them. Right. And then taking the next step to say, hello, we never know who um, is just in dire need of that. And, and, and then we can go even beyond that and give them an encouraging word. You know, I don't know how many days that there have been that I have been discouraged and wanted to quit. And I've, I've had the wrong perspective. I've, I've, I don't want to persevere with whatever I feel like God is calling me to. We all have those days and it never fails that it seems like I get a text or a phone call or um, just a letter in the mail where somebody messages me, even, even on Instagram or DM, yeah. you know, in your DMs or emails, when somebody will say, you know what, I think you're doing a great job. Keep going. Or you're doing this really well. And, and it gives you just enough to keep going, to push through to what you feel like God is calling you to do. You know, it's interesting, Rachel, we're just meeting here, obviously, and, uh, you know, sharing these stories. And I, I, I'm seeing how you are modeling for me and for our listeners, how these little acts or these little moments or these little attitudes uh, really do uh, bring, you know, the significance that we're all looking for. And I was thinking about a, a gift I received recently from a guy who's a regular contributor to the show. And we have a common interest in he just kind of reached out and, and he said, you know, I, I do this to kind of help keep me sane, you know, maybe that we will play musical instrument together. And it was so, it was just really refreshing, you know, to, to, to see that somebody heard that, you know, and like you said, they, the idea that they, they saw, you know, the, the pressures of what goes into this type of work. And I, I was really blessed by it. And, and, and I'm grateful that you have encapsulated in your book, A Little Goes a Long Way, these 52 Days to a Significant Life, these little, uh, acts or these little attitudes, these little words that are spoken that can help people understand how significant their life really is. Let's take a look. We were talking about this during the break, and I'd love for you to expand upon it. A lot of our listeners are in their senior years, and that's a time when you do a lot of second guessing. Let's face it. You know, if only I'd done this differently with my kids or with my job, or if we had, if I took that house or didn't take that one, you know, whatever. And there's a tendency to think, well, my significance isn't as great as somebody else's because of all the things externally that I did. But I know that one of the things that's part of your writing is the fact that there's a certain significance that we all have. We just don't always acknowledge. This is the key, I believe, to this entire message that I really, if I don't communicate anything else, this is what I'd like to communicate is that we are inherently significant and it's not based on anything that we do. It's simply because We are created in God's image. In the very beginning in Genesis, God created Adam and Eve. And when he looked upon his creation, he said it was very good. And then I fast forward into the New Testament. And when Jesus was being baptized in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, God the Father looked down upon him and he said, this is my son with whom I'm pleased. And that was before Jesus had officially launched into his ministry. 
And, you know, there, there is this verse um, in Ephesians 2.10 that says we are God's workmanship. And that word workmanship is masterpiece or poem. I yeah. mean, God, he, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I just never want to lose sight of, of that. It, that is just because we're created before we have done anything. We don't have to earn that love. But the rest of that verse in Ephesians 2.10 says we are God's workmanship that he created in advance to do good works. Yeah. So he does have us here to do good things. And by no means do I want to demonize big things. God does certainly work in grand, mir- miraculous ways, but I also don't want us to discount those small ways that he is working. And, and so for those that are listening there or maybe looking back on their lives and thinking, you know, in comparison to everybody else, I don't feel like my life has made a big difference. I would challenge you today to take a time to journal mm. and to really reflect on every encounter that you've ever had, every moment that you've ever had, that would take a long time, but to really pinpoint and 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 look at God's hand in those things. And I think that you will find that because you've been faithful in those small ways, he has also been faithful to use those in big ways. Amen. Amen. Rachel Adams' new book is called A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. A couple of uh, minutes left in our conversation, Rachel, and I was wondering if you would take the last, say, 90 seconds or so. It's, this is one part. It's it's not the place where you typically land an interview, but I noticed that you had Holly Girth uh, endorsing this book, and uh, she and I are fellow introverts. We have her on here all the time. I don't know if anybody listens to our conversations, but that's just fine with us because we're both rather introverted, but you talk about one of the things that we can embrace and see as a point of significance is something that drives introverts nut, and that's interruptions. Can you talk about what how we can embrace them, welcome them, even let God use us as those interruptions in the lives of other people to maintain that Ephesians 2.10 attitude that you were just talking about? Well, I'm a fellow introvert, which okay. makes, makes sense. Why good, I, good. You're a standing <laughs> invite. To you all. <laughs> right, standing invite here on the bottom line, Jeff, for sure. <laughs> Introverts are always welcome. Oh, great. And isn't it interesting that, that what we do is is talk, but... Of course. Um, <laughs> But yes, this, this interruptions and this really, I, I had a deadline and I, I really am kind of a, a perfectionistic performance mindset, achievement oriented person. And so I love a good to-do list. I love to cross those things off of my to-do list. Amen. Um, and so I can really get my head down into a project and want to just stay on that task and on my timeline. Um, but I really have been trying to be more mindful of being open to those interruptions and those encounters that and those divine appointments that God would have for me. So whether that looks like taking out my earbuds when I'm on a walk on <laughs> or at the gym, or if you're on the airplane and taking your head out of the book, mm-hmm. or if you are just at the coffee shop and you have your um, eyes on your keyboard or your hands on your keyboard and your eyes on your screen, you know, what does it look like to just notice the people in front of you? And, and even so much. So my, you know, my, even my daughter at home, the other day I was doing some, some dishes and some laundry and just getting my to-do list done. And, and she looked at me and she said, mom, would you just sit with me? I just, I just would really Mm. like to talk to you and I kind of need a hug. And so my way of loving her was taking care of her, but what she needed from me was just for me to be present, which circles back to the beginning of our conversation. And Um, so yeah, that's a challenge for all of us, but maybe just to, to be mindful, to give yourself a little bit more space and a little bit more time to be open to what God may have in store for you. Well, if you've enjoyed our conversation about these little, uh, aspects of life that lead to significance, 
I hope you'll take the sum total of the dialogue and uh, really take it to heart. Great conversation today with Rachel Adams, the author of the book, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. We've got a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Rachel, where do we find you on social media? You can find me at Rachel Adams Author on social media and then rachelkadams.com is my website. Okay, great. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely link your website up at thebottomlineshow.com just to make it a little bit easier to search your favorite social media platform. You will find her there and you'll also find information about this helpful new book. Rachel Adams, great to get to meet you and thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. Thank you so much for having me. What a great conversation. What a great book too. Rachel Adams, the book is called A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. The link is at thebottomlineshow.com and it's everyone Wednesday. The phones are already starting to ring. Make sure you get your call in right now. We want to give these books away before the top of the hour. 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Introvert, extrovert, doesn't really matter. Everybody wants to know that their life is a life of significance. And Rachel Adams is helping us to discover the significance of each of our lives through this brand new devotional book. A little goes a long way. 52 days to a significant life. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. As we continue, we're going to take a look at a rather controversial issue involving a Christian of great notoriety, someone whose life I'm sure you would consider to be significant making a significant decision that may wind up, uh, well, costing her a few fans, a few bucks, but does it have a greater cost in God's economy? We're going to talk about Amy Grant and her decision to welcome her niece, who is in a same-sex relationship, to have a wedding at their home. We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Rachel Adams for joining me for the past half hour here on The Bottom Line Show for this Everyone Wednesday edition of the program. We have a copy, actually we have two, no, we have three copies of Rachel Adams' book to give away that we're giving away right now. The book is called A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. You know, the culture uh, is really does stress the big part. And, you know, we, I was thinking about uh, even just the songs that we sing. I got three grandkids, five and under. And uh, when they're in Sunday school or in preschool, they're singing songs like, God is great, God is good, and we thank him for our food. Yeah, he's big, but he cares enough about us. But God is great sometimes in American culture means God is always giving us the stuff that we want as opposed to the things that we truly need. And Part of God's greatness and goodness is that he doesn't give us all the things that we want. You know, it's interesting, but as you read this book, you're going to find, you know, some personal stories about how God looks at the things that we do. Uh, you know, we have that uh, kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek phrase in our vernacular, no good deed goes unpunished. But the reality is everything you do in God's economy for the kingdom has value to him. And everything you do as a believer that is outside of the kingdom, it's going to have an impact on your life. It's going to have an impact on the lives of others. See, this is the thing that takes a lot of us a long time to figure out, and that is when you are acting in a certain way, saying something, doing something, whatever, it's never just about you. You know, every time I see these stars, these athletes or celebrities or whatever, and they'll make some rather blasphemous statement about God knows what, and then you'll hear them say, well, that's just me. You know, I mean, who am I, a role model, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Well, just because they have 15,000 followers or 15 million rather on social media pages 
people you know, to make a phrase like that, a statement like that is pretty insincere. But the reality is every time you and I do something, it's going to impact at least one more person. If you're in a family, it's going to impact everybody in your family. If you're part of an office, you know, obviously the, the, the team at work, if you're part of a church, you know, it, it's going to have an impact on their lives too. Don't discount the small things that God has called you to do and led you to do and equipped you to do. I mean, when you get right down to it, the old expression using another colloquialism, the devil is in the details. No, I don't think so. That's where God shows up the most. That's where he shines the brightest and he does it through you and through me. If you're wrestling with significance right now, I encourage you to uh, give us a call at 800-227-5278. We've got three copies of the book, A Little Goes a Long Way by Rachel Adams uh, that we're giving away right now. It's Everyone Wednesday, so if you don't get in on the winning for one of those books, uh, we've got other resources that we're giving away too, 800-227-5278. As a matter of fact, when you call, be sure to also ask about the tickets for this Saturday's screening of the Baby Boomer Dilemma. Now, if you're not a baby boomer, this doesn't mean you can't come. You should come to this movie. This is an outstanding documentary about the retirement system in the United States. It tells you the good, the bad, and the ugly about what's happening with your retirement dollars. Some of the things that you've been told about, IRAs and 401ks and mutual funds and things like that, might not be as good as you have heard. And some of the things you've heard about life insurance policies and things like that might not be as bad as you've heard. Wilson Financial has rented out the Gem Theater in Garden Grove for a one day only. This is going to be that Saturday afternoon matinee. Well, Saturday morning, 1130 a.m. at the Gem Theater in Garden Grove. It's the only place you can see it. So if you're listening, San Diego, if you're San Francisco and you need to come down, you know, uh, make the trip, make the trek. The tickets are free. Now, I point out, I say the tickets are free. You have to call Wilson Financial and reserve your ticket or tickets we started out with 100. Last I heard, there were about half of the seats were still available. You will not be getting a ticket in the mail. Your name will go on a list, and that's your ticket. Just show me your driver's license, prove it it's really you, in you go. Here's the number for Wilson Financial. It's 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. 800 Call Emily or Veronica or Tess, or Devaney, whoever answers the phone, let them know you heard me talking about it on the Bottom Line Show. You want tickets to the see the, the uh, baby boomer dilemma. Now, my sister, uh, who's nearing retirement age, called up last week and got one ticket. She's going to trudge on by herself. She's single, and, and she'll be there. So you can see my sister there if you want to. Um, she's not as tall as I am. I'll just throw that out there. She's a little more petite. But if you're single, if you're a couple, um, maybe your family, you might be mom and dad, you have a couple of kids who are moving into their 40s and want to start thinking about this, call and get these free tickets. 800-696-9970. Call Wilson Financial right now for free tickets to see the movie The Baby Boomer Dilemma this Saturday, January 21st, Gem Theater in Garden Grove, 1130 a.m. It's free. The popcorn's free. The soda's free. But the information that you will glean about retirement from this movie is priceless. 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970 to call Wilson Financial. Or when you're calling in today for our giveaway on Everyone Wednesday here at the Bottom Line Show, just give us a buzz at 800-227-5278 and say, hey, by the way, in addition to wanting to win Rachel Adams's book, A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life, I also would like a couple of tickets to go to the Dennis Wilson movie as well. 
the number to get you through to the bottom line. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, let's get into this Amy Grant controversy, as it were. Um, The idea that uh, a woman who is a professing Christian has been the centerpiece of contemporary Christian music for 35, 40 years, and now is endorsing the same-sex, quote-unquote, marriage of her niece to another woman give you the particulars on the case and then we're going to open up the phones to give you a chance to weigh in on kind of a what would you do segment how would you respond if you discovered that uh, either you were invited to a gathering like this or maybe you have a member of your family who leans that way right now and they ask hey what a guy he's wants to marry, quote unquote, another guy and says, hey, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, whatever, can we have our ceremony at your house? Think about it, pray about it, then let's get into it. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Hey, if you're in the baby boom generation or in Generation X, even if you're in the greatest generation and you're wondering why your pension isn't holding up, you're wondering why your 401k or IRA is about to fall apart, I want to invite you to a special free event that will answer all those questions and help you redirect your financial footing. Are you interested? Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial Services is hosting a free screening of the outstanding new documentary called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. It's an expose of the pension and retirement fund system and basically helps you to avoid the pitfalls that many Americans make when they're investing their money into long-term savings for their retirement. The tickets are free. The screening is coming up on January 21st at 1130 a.m. at the Gem Theater right here in Garden Grove. But here's the catch. You have to call Wilson Financial to reserve your tickets while they're still available. There are at least 50 seats left for this 100-seat intimate screening, and I want you to have them. Call Dennis right now at 800-696-9970, or drop us a line here at the Bottom Line Show and K-Bright Radio, 800-227-5278. Make your plans to be with us on January 21st, Saturday, 1130 a.m. at the Gem Theater in Garden Grove to watch Dennis Wilson and the presentation of the Baby Boomer Delight. Lemma. It's going to save your retirement for sure. Wow. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. And yes, it is true. Sometimes I'll wander through the house singing songs like that and entertaining my wife. And she thinks it's really funny. 800-227-5278. couple more minutes left to get in on the giveaway. It's Everyone Wednesday. We've got three copies of that great book by Rachel Adams called A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. 800-227-5278. Give Crystal a call or maybe Todd winds up answering the phones because it's Wednesday on the backup uh, there with so many calls coming in. Uh, but we want you to have a chance to win that book. And we've got several of them to give away here on Everyone Wednesday. Okay, here's the scenario out of Nashville that uh, has been kind of concerning for a lot of people of the Christian faith, and it involves Amy Grant. Now, Amy Grant's had a she's had a tough year and a half or so. She uh, had the heart, the discovery of the heart ailment, and wound up having open heart surgery to repair it. And I'm grateful that she did. That was what about three years ago. And then last year, she was on a bike ride and got thrown from a bike and wound up being knocked unconscious. And I uh, was in a medically induced coma for a while. And um, she's, I was reading an article today with Amy, and she was talking about uh, the idea that uh, it's been challenging for her coming back to perform because she still has some memory loss issues. 
has to use a teleprompter to remember the words to her songs. You know, that, that kind of stuff is, is somewhat unnerving for some performers. Other performers are like, good. Now I don't have to think about it. Just where's the screen? I'll sing the words off of there. But Amy Grant has generated a lot more controversy in recent weeks because of a decision that she and her husband, Vince Gill made to host a same sex quote unquote wedding at her farm. This, uh, she uh, gave a statement to People Magazine that was published earlier this week. And basically, when she, they were asking, will you respond to the backlash? Her quote was, I never chase any of those rabbits down the rabbit hole. In other words, you're not going to get me to go after it. But here's what she said. She, uh, it was back in November that she gave an interview to the Washington Post, and she talked about how the fact that her niece got married on her farm and it was the family's first quote unquote bride and bride nuptials. She spoke to the Washington post and said she believes that her niece's sexual orientation quote is a gift to our whole family to just widen the experience as our whole family. She said, I believe that my support of everybody, including people in the LGBTQ community, is consistent with Jesus saying, look, this is about loving God and loving each other. So when pressed recently by People Magazine saying, hey, you know, what what about the backlash here that you're getting for hosting this same-sex quote-unquote wedding? And to be fair, I'm the one who adds the air quotes whenever I talk about this because I don't, I believe in biblical marriage and that's the only way to go. And anything outside of God's order for biblical marriage is not marriage, it's quote-unquote marriage. We can make laws all we want to. We can make a law that, you know, 10 people could call, call themselves, quote unquote, married, but that's not God's design for marriage. A man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two will become one flesh. I mean, that's the marriage description. Anything outside of that, any kind of sexual contact outside of that is sin. Now, it doesn't mean I run around throwing Bibles at people and sticking my bony finger in their chest going, yeah, yeah like that. But that's just a statement of fact. See, that's the difference between knowing the truth and having your truth. My truth could be, I look at that in scripture and say, yeah, but God, you know, I mean, I have this cousin, I have this nephew, I have this friend. So if you do have a cousin or nephew or friend who's in a situation like Amy Grant's describing, you could say, wow, I love you and I want to support you, but it's not marriage. Basically, Amy said about her niece and the niece's partner, who is now, I guess you would call her her quote unquote wife. She said, look, I love my family. I love those brides. They're wonderful. Our family is better. And you should be able to be with who you are with your family and to be loved by them. So my question for us today is, what are we thinking about this? What do we believe? What do you make of Amy's comments? Is she coming from a good, healthy, biblical place? A lot of Christian leaders weighed in on this topic and said, heck no. Franklin Graham, you know, talking about how you don't want to compromise the authority of Scripture, went on social media. He said, Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son and man. God defines sin, not us, and his word is clear that homosexuality is sin. That's from Franklin Graham, quoting Acts chapter 3, verse 19. 
800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. I'd love to take your calls on this. Have you encountered something like this where somebody says in your family, you've got somebody who's in the LGBTQ lifestyle and they say, we want to get married. We want to use your house. or We would like to use your church or whatever. How did you respond? What do we as Christians who like Amy Grant's music do with Amy Grant's music now that she's saying, hey, this is the way we do it in our family? Love to get your take on this. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. For our KCBC listeners, Rabbi Schneider's coming up next with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. I will join you again tomorrow at uh, this same time. For those who remain on the network, go on to the phones to get your calls about Amy Grant. The bottom line continues in just a moment. Welcome back to The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh, or welcome to The Bottom Line. If you're just now joining us, loving that hook from John Elefante. And when he was on The Bottom Line show about five, six months ago, the album Stronger Now, or the song Stronger Now had just come out. And I was talking with him about this uh, this whole record. And I said, you know, it has kind of a Beatles feel to this, especially this song Stronger Now. And he goes, really, what part? And I thought to myself, every time I listen to it, well, there's the transition from the verse to the chorus, and there's the hook, and there's the this, there's a lot. But then that heavy opening has very Kansas thoughts to it. I mean, Christian music has shaped me. It's, it's shaped a lot of people. And that's why I think our topic of conversation for the balance of the program today is so very important, because it involves Amy Grant, who arguably is the most famous and well-listened to, one of the most influential uh, Christian musicians of our generation one of the most uh, influential Christian voices in the so-called contemporary Christian movement, um, a woman whose winsomeness has been embraced by many people. And, you know, Scripture is very clear that when a person's ways are pleasing to God, even our enemies get along with us. So the idea that Amy Grant has always had a bit of a following in the LGBTQ community has never really been a surprise. And it didn't didn't phase me. I know a lot of Christians are saying, well, why do you know if she interacts with these people on social media? And, you know, there, there's a lot of people in the gay community that really like her music. And uh, that must mean she's selling out. Well, does it? I mean, Amy's always had a way of presenting the gospel that in ways that are different than the mainstream. You know, I mean, she was the it's so funny how people look at the external in Christian music. I remember interviewing Stephen Curtis Chapman after I think about his second or third record came out. He was writing some fantastic songs, but never got nominated for Dove Awards, wasn't selling out places, you know, concerts and things like that. And then his third record came out and all of a sudden he got 10 Dove Awards and he was artist of the year and whatever. And we were talking and I interviewed him after the record came out and I said, what changed? And he said, you know, in all honesty, I got a haircut. I said, really? He goes, yeah, I had children length hair before and a lot of Christian bookstores would not put my poster up. They did not want that album cover up because I had long hair. I get a haircut and all of a sudden I'm all over Christian bookstores. <laughs> I thought that's weird. But Amy Grant has the same issue to deal with. Remember what the first time back 1985 when David Letterman was hosting the late show on NBC and uh, Amy uh, had, I believe the unguarded album was out. And so there's that leopard skin jacket that she wore on the cover of the album. And she was wearing kind of, you know, yoga pants or whatever. I don't know if they were calling them yoga pants back then. And she was barefoot. And I think she sang Wise Up and Love of Another Kind or something like that. And all the Christian media could talk about was Amy Grant was barefoot on national television. 
So she has always drawn a lot of controversy and she's always, it seems, let her heart lead. I met Amy briefly once at a benefit uh, fundraising event, probably seven, eight, nine years ago. And there was a photo op for people. I had a chance to walk up and stand there and smile, get your picture taken with Amy Grant. And knowing that her husband, Vince Gill, was part of a group at the time, group of Nashville session players called the Time Jumpers. They do old uh, kind of Texas swing style country music. And Vince loves it. And I knew that Amy had sat in with them before and, and she loved it too. And so I walked up, introduced myself and she said, hi. And she was in, you know, kind of parade smile mode. I'm getting pictures taken with people. They paid money to come to this benefit. So whatever. And I said, I just have one question for you. When are you going to sit in with the time jumpers again? And her eyes just lit up and she said, oh my gosh, you know, the time jumpers, Vince loves that group. And we just, we chatted and chatted. They had literally had to get the old uh, vaudeville hook you know, that they would bring on the stage to kind of pull you off to get me out of there because Amy wouldn't stop talking about Vince's group. And I'm sure a lot of people might say, wait, you're singing lying, cheating and leaving songs with those guys. How do you call yourself a Christian? And a lot of us have always been there to quickly defend whenever Amy's taken a stance that may or may not be popular with the Christian community. But this new dilemma, I don't know what the defense is for this. I honestly don't. In case you didn't hear, back in November, it's just making headlines now, but back in November, Amy Grant and her husband, Vince Gill, who live on a very beautiful ranch, a nice spread in Nashville, Tennessee, hosted a quote-unquote same-sex wedding. Amy has a niece who is attracted to other women, and she and the woman of her dreams wanted to get married. And so basically she said, you know, I would was talking to my niece. We were talking about her upcoming, you know, day. And she said, we're just looking for a really beautiful place to get married. And would it be possible for us to get married here at your farm? And so in an interview with the Washington Post, Amy shared that she and her husband, Vince Gill, had gotten married on the hillside of this farm 23 years ago. As a matter of fact, their wedding anniversary is coming up in March. And she decided that, yeah, you're my niece and we love you. And here's the deal, you know? And so they had quote unquote bride and bride nuptials. And the family was okay with it. So here's my question for you and for us as bottom liners, looking at this story, what is your response? What if you and your uh, spouse, your significant other, uh, the person, well, every time I say significant other, I get emails. That's code word for gay marriage. Okay. Uh, if you are in a monogamous, heterosexual, God-ordained wedding ceremony marriage, and you have a home that has that kind of background, and there's someone in your family who is in the same-sex attraction, and they come to you and they ask you, can we get, quote-unquote, married here? Have you had that experience before? Have you, uh, is there someone in your world that is dealing with this? Now, this is where it gets a lot more real and, and sometimes people don't want to share. And I totally understand that. Uh, a rather noteworthy theologian that I follow very closely have for many, many years, I think, especially since I got into seminary, uh, I was following him on his social media page. And I'm also friends with his wife on her social media page. And it's a second marriage for both. And she has a daughter from her first marriage who is a lesbian. And my 
mentor, the Bible teacher, had ever talked about the fact that his wife has a daughter who is not only in a same-sex relationship, but they apparently are, quote-unquote, married. And it was, hey, happy birthday to whatever, and they show the family out to dinner. And I thought to myself, well, that's interesting. Because my friend, the Bible teacher, who does such a great job of expository teaching and exegesis and Greek and Hebrew and Aramaic and never mentioned that before. And I thought, you know, I am, as a person, more drawn to the fact that you've got that situation in your family. And I'm curious as to how you're managing that. You know, instead of just showing me all the God is good, God is great, God's amazing, which we know he is, parts of your life, is it possible that maybe God looks at these other parts and says, okay, that's what I'm going to draw attention to in your family, and let's see what kind of uh, ministry comes out of it. What do you think of Amy Grant hosting a same-sex marriage, quote-unquote, on her family farm? 800-227-5278. is the number to get you through to the bottom line. If you want to use a pseudonym, I, you're more than welcome to. The guy who held this seat on KBRT for many, many years long before me, Rich Bueller, I think his, what was his name? Was it George was the name that if somebody came on and said they don't want to identify who they really are. And sometimes you'd have two hours of nothing but women named George calling Rich Bueller and sharing some of their deeper, darker secrets. But if this is one of those issues in your family and you don't want to, you know, kind of call yourself out, pick a name, you know, pick my name. I don't care. I mean, that's really fine. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Uh, we'll go to the phones and uh, get into some of your calls and a little more commentary from yours truly about the Amy Grant gay marriage scenario. That's coming up next as the bottom line continues. You know, one thing that is, we can all agree on is the fact that regardless of the choices people make about their sexuality once they're born and once they're alive and when they've been influenced by the world, when we look at the picture, that ultrasound image of the baby in the womb, we look and say, how perfect is this little creature that God is working on and going to bring into our family? Our friends at Preborn have a special ministry that literally shares the love of Christ with women who are expecting, and maybe they didn't think they were going to be expecting, and now this is kind of a crisis for them. Getting a free pregnancy test and a free ultrasound at a preborn clinic sometimes takes all the pressure off. Now the woman knows, okay, I've got three options. Either I'm going to be a mother, I'm going to release this child for adoption, or here in the People's Republic of California, abortion is still legal. But when you make a gift of $28 right now to preborn, you're going to save one life of a baby because that woman's mind is going to be changed after she sees the ultrasound and hears the heartbeat. Or you can give a $15,000 donation to donate one ultrasound machine that provides 250 ultrasounds a year for a minimum of 10 years. Call 833-850-BABY right now, 833-850-BABY, 833-850-2229, or go to kbrightradio.com or rogermarsh.com, click on the preborn banner and make your best tax-deductible donation right now. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. We're talking about Amy Grant and a decision that she and her husband Vince Gill made back in November of last year. It's just now kind of leaking its way into the press with regard to a niece of hers who is in a same-sex attracted relationship with another woman, wanted to get quote-unquote married, asked Aunt Amy if they could get married at the family farm, and Amy said, sure. 
Amy said, look, I see my niece's sexual orientation as a gift to our whole family to widen the experience of our whole family. And so it's a beautiful place to get married. If this is what you want to do, we want to have you here. Now, it's interesting because Amy's justification for supporting somebody in a same-sex relationship is she uses the words of Jesus. said, look, I mean, you talk about the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. She says it a little more simply, love God and love each other. But perhaps this is where uh, that argument goes off the rails a little bit, and here's what I mean by that. Are you to show the love of Christ? Are we to show the love of Christ with everybody we encounter? Of course, no question. Hands down, we should be doing that in everything we do. That's for the person who cuts you off in traffic or the person who's rude to you at the supermarket or the person who winds up, uh, you know, taking your parking space. I mean, whatever it is. And that's a good place for us as Christians to maybe take a pause here. Before we get all bent out of shape and start pointing our finger at Amy Grant about the issue of you've got a niece who's a lesbian and wanted to get quote unquote married at your house and you said yes, maybe just maybe it's worth taking a look at the end of the day, kind of like Rachel Adams was talking about earlier, our conversation about her uh, book, A Little Goes a Long Way, you know, 52 uh, Ways to Discover a Life of Significance. Just kind of start journaling the encounters you have with people and ask, how did I handle this? Did I handle this the way God would have me handle this? Is there a space there for righteous indignation and anger? Sure. Especially when it comes to um, people of the faith, other Christians. I was listening to the one-year Bible entry for today. I'm doing the chronological uh, rendering of it. And it's Max McLean, Fellowship for Performing Arts, reading on uh, BibleGateway.com, reading, going through Job. And I forgot. I mean, we come up on Job this time every year, but I forgot over the past 12 months, you know, we see Jesus being sarcastic with the Pharisees, but being very gracious to people who are the lost, who truly need help and salvation and et cetera, healing. But God has quite a bit of snark in his voice, does he not, when he's berating Job around Job 41, 42? Actually, I think it's in chapter 40, where he first starts asking him the question, like, can you keep Leviathan as a pet and stuff like that? And Job says, no, you're right. I'm, I'm going to keep my, my mouth closed. And then chapter 41, God comes back and says, wait, I'm not done. <laughs> I'm still going. There is a place for righteous indignation for those who should know better. God was the one who says to Satan, have you considered my servant Job when it comes to someone who you know, Satan's coming up and spewing all those lies? Oh, God, the only reason these people love you is because you give them good stuff. And if your blessing disappeared, they wouldn't serve you. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? He's going to hold up. And then at the end of, you know, 38 chapters of that kind of challenge, Job didn't hold up as well as God thought he did. But once he does repent, then God gives him that massive double portion. He brings back everything twice as much. He, re- he had 10 children that he lost in that plague, and he restores them with 10 more. So the ultimate victory in heaven. Never mentions Job's wife at the end, by the way. <laughs> All we get from her is curse God and die. But there is a place for a rebuke between Christians. I don't think it's on social media. I was kind of disappointed in Franklin Graham going to social media and then the Christian Post picking it up. I'm sure Franklin knows Amy. Why not pick up the phone and give her a call? But the whole idea of loving God and loving other people, it really boils down to, well, how do we understand love then? 
what does love mean? The left will tell you that same-sex, quote-unquote, marriage is all about love. Don't tell anybody whom you can love or who you can't love. You know, the love who you love and be with who you're going to be with. And love is love and love is great. But the reality is, Scripture shows us, in the Greek anyway, the Greek text, there are four different words used for love. And in English, we get lazy and we translate them all as love. There is family love. There is brotherly love. There is love for everybody. And then there's romantic love. The Philadelphia love or the phileo. I mean, that's, that's the, the Philadelphia, the brotherly, that means that's so we love people as brothers and sisters. There's the eros love. That's where we get the word erotic from. That's husband and wife. That's behind closed doors. Whatever does not defile the marriage bed, go for it. And don't forget storge. That's the I love you in spite of who you are. That's that's that. Yeah, that's my kid. I love him. That's my dad. Yeah, I love him. You know, and and you've got three different types of love right there that don't line up and support anything in the, well, just if you love somebody, let them run all over you. Let them do whatever they want to because it's feelings. Trust me, feelings are going to come and go. Remember Dr. Dobson's book, Emotions, Can You Trust Them? That's a rhetorical question, but the answer, of course, is no, not always. So it's interesting that Amy Grant is coming under scrutiny for her saying, you know what, this is my niece, this is my family, and I love these two women. Our family is better because they are in the family. They should be able to be who they are, just like you should be able to be who you are with your family. Now, it's one thing for the family to say, this is my family, warts and all, I'm going to love them, but is a marriage ceremony a private thing? That's a question that I would ask of Amy and her husband, Vince, is it private? I mean, I have never been to a wedding where the pastor or the priest, depending on the church you're at, got up in front of the crowd and said, okay, today we're here and nobody else knows we're here. And what happens in this sanctuary stays in this sanctuary. And, you know, even when it comes to God, if we're doing some things that might be a little questionable, we're leaving him out. The phrase I usually hear in a wedding is, we stand here before God and all of these witnesses, right? Marriage is a covenantal agreement between a husband and a wife and God. So how, as a Christian, is it loving for us to say, you know what? This is the way you do it. Come to our house. We will condone it. The truly loving way to handle that kind of confrontation is to say, look, I want to be sympathetic to your cause. I want to be empathetic to what you're going through. If I had, uh, uh, if I had actually been approached by this to couple to say, we want to do this here, it would be a fair, loving, but firm no. I'll tell you an anecdotal story about that that involves my own family on the other side of this break, but would love to get your comments on this too. Got a couple calls coming in. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. That's the number to get you through to the bottom line. 
Hey, if you're in the baby boom generation or in Generation X, even if you're in the greatest generation, and you're wondering why your pension isn't holding up, you're wondering why your 401k or IRA is about to fall apart, I want to invite you to a special free event that will answer all those questions and help you redirect your financial footing. Are you interested? Dennis Wilson at Wilson Financial Services is hosting a free screening of the outstanding new documentary called The Baby Boomer Dilemma. It's an expose of the pension and retirement fund system and basically helps you to avoid the pitfalls that many Americans make when they're investing their money into long-term savings for their retirement. The tickets are free. The screening is coming up on January 21st at 1130 a.m. at the Gem Theater right here in Garden Grove. But here's the catch. You have to call Wilson Financial to reserve your tickets while they're still available. There are at least 50 seats left for this 100-seat intimate screening, and I want you to have them. Call Dennis right now at 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or drop us a line here at the Bottom Line Show and K-Bright Radio, 800-227-5278. Make your plans to be with us on January 21st, Saturday, 1130 a.m. at the Gem Theater in Garden Grove to watch Dennis Wilson and the presentation of the Baby Boomer Delay. It's going to save your retirement for sure. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. Congratulations to Lana in Long Beach, Michael in Redlands, and Barbara in Inglewood. Every one of those uh, listeners called in and received a copy of our Everyone Wednesday book by Rachel Adams called A Little Goes a Long Way, 52 Days to a Significant Life. And I hope you all enjoy that uh, book from all of us here at the Bottom Line Show. 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line, taking your calls uh, with regard to Amy Grant and her decision to allow her niece, who is in a same-sex relationship, to have the so-called, quote-unquote, wedding at her farm back in November. And um, now the word's kind of getting out. Christian Post picked it up. People Magazine picked it up. And people are not entirely thrilled in the Christian community that Amy and her husband, Vince Gill, opted to do this. But Amy stands by her, de- her uh, decision and said, look, these are th- this couple is a gift to our whole family. It widens the experience of our whole family. And because Jesus said it, two things that I require of you, love God and love each other. What do you think? 800-227-5278. David and Oxnard. David, welcome to the bottom line. Hi, how are you, Roger? Good, David. How you doing? Long time no talk to you. Yeah, how are things? I'll just, I'll just sum it up in one verse. Jeremiah okay, 17, uh, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So when she says she's being led by her heart, uh, that would scare me right from the get-go. Um, you know, the heart is technically the mind of the individual. Uh, and so if her mind is leading her in that direction, uh, I would have to pump the brakes and say, you know what, uh, we might want to think about this. Yeah. And, you know, it's very hard to tell somebody, uh, no, you, we don't approve of your lifestyle. You know, you're a great person. You know, I, uh, I don't, I don't want to get too personal here, but I had to disown one of my relatives for a time being because they were in a, uh, an open relationship. So mm. where everything went, it didn't matter, male, female, whatever. Wow. So I had to disown my relative because of that. Uh, fortunately, my relative is not in that type of lifestyle anymore. Mm, that's good. Uh, so back in my good graces. 
just the way it is, man. Sometimes you well, got to say no. Well, David, thank you so much for your call. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, it's interesting we, we, describing that, you know, uh, you're out of fellowship, you're in fellowship, um, and, and understanding, of course, that the, the reason why we'll make a declaration like that is to say, I'm not judging you, God is. I mean, that God's word is telling you that sex outside of the marriage bed, which is defined as a husband and wife, husband has left his father and mother, and, uh, and cleaves to his wife, and the two become one flesh. Anything else that gets in the way of that, an open relationship, a same-sex relationship, anything that gets in the way of that is going to mess that up. And I appreciate the fact that Amy has a relationship with her niece. I mean, uh, that, that she's welcoming her in the sense that she says, look, I'm not going to cast you out for the, the decision that you've made. But in the same way that two people mutually decide to get married, there's a lot of thought process that goes into the you know, sexual relationship, the marriage relationship, that type of stuff. And obviously, it's not just one person saying, well, this is the way I am, and so you have to accept me all. I mean, it has to be mutual. But as Christians, this is the beauty of the truth versus your truth or my truth. The truth says, I think about a woman who was part of a church I was in congregation with many years ago. Uh, she had lost her husband recently. She had a granddaughter who had joined the military, and the granddaughter was identifying as transgender. Met another woman. They wanted to be, quote unquote, married. Um, grandma was invited to the wedding. And she came to talk to my pastor because she said, they want a pastor to do the wedding. Would you ever do it? And he said, well, I can't. You know, I, I don't want to hurt your feelings or her feelings, but I, I can't. That, that There's just no way I could perform that. And she said, I understand. And so we asked her, are you going to go? And she said, well, yeah, I'm going to go because she's my granddaughter. Kept referring to her as feminine. And I'm the only one in the family left she'll talk to. I want to be... Jesus to her. And you really have to weigh that carefully in terms of by going to something like this, are you still being Jesus? So we we prayed with her and we kind of questioned her decision to actually go. A couple months later, I saw her at church and I asked her, How's, how are things going? And she had this big smile on her face and she said, oh, pastor, you'll never believe it. I said, what do you mean? She said, my granddaughter is my granddaughter again. She ended the relationship. She's living like a woman again. She's getting counseling. And it's wonderful. And I thought to myself, I wonder what would have happened in this young woman's life if her grandmother said, I'm not coming to your wedding. I've seen it happen with different religions. A woman who had a son who got married into a Buddhist tradition, and she was invited. I asked her if she went. She said, well, of course I went because, you know, I wanted the presence of Christ to be there in case something happened and he, you know, decided he didn't want to go through with it. He went through with it, but she wanted to be there. And so oftentimes I think we have to, you know, if, if it's a question of attending, you got to take that case by case. I don't think God condones that at all, the, that kind of ceremony, but we have to, you know, we got to take it case by case. But in the case of saying, yes, come to my home, set up shop and run this thing, I think the answer is a clear, firm, but loving, not here. I mean, the world will accommodate you, but not here. This home is a house of prayer, not here. In recent months, I don't know how many times I'm hearing from families who are saying, we are doing more praying against the forces of evil as they try to impede and knock down the walls of our home than we ever have. And people, these are couples who have been married 30, 40 years who are wrestling with this. But what do we do? Brothers and sisters, remember, we are strangers and aliens in this world. This world is not our home. We love America, 
We believe that America was founded on biblical principles, but America's turned away from God. We have to be the ones now, and we're going to be the spoiled sports. We're going to be the ones who are saying, hey, you know what? Uh, sorry. Oh, there go those Christians again. But how do we do it? Well, 1 Peter 3.15 says we do so. We explain to people our faith with gentleness and respect. Hold firm for your faith in Christ. Share that faith with gentleness and respect, but hold firm for your faith in Christ. That's the bottom line.